It's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey everyone, Jordan here. Just wanted to pop in and mention that we will not be discussing the story out from ESPN's Jeff Passan about the Oakland Athletics exploring possible relocation to another city in the future. That came out a little bit after we recorded the rest of the podcast, so you can be sure to hear more about that from us and our friends at the Ringer MLB show later this week. Uh, but obviously, it is a developing story. We don't know that much more now, so we did not have a lengthy discussion on that today. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network yet to throw a no-hitter this season, Jordan, everyone else has one. I'm I'm pretty disappointed in ourselves, honestly, at this point. Uh, we're over a month into the season. Offense has plummeted. You've thrown, you've pitched before, I've pitched before. That should really be enough to qualify us to throw a no-hitter in the year 2021. I did throw a hidden no-hitter in college, though. A cheeky, <laughs> cheeky hidden no-hitter out of the bullpen. There you so go. I guess I have thrown a no-hitter, but the podcast oh. as a unit... Me, you, and Bobby together. We have not had a combined no-hitter. Obviously, we're going to talk about that here on today's show. The John Means no-hitter, which was awesome. The Wade Miley no-hitter, which I have watched zero footage from. Zero. Zilch. It's like it it never happened. Does a tree fall in the forest? Uh, so, obviously, we're going to talk about that. We, I know uh, our friends at the, the Ringer MLB show covered the Albert Pujols DFA at length, but we are going to certainly touch on that as well. We're going to talk about some guy named Jard Kalenich, I believe, coming up for the Seattle Mariners. Looking Kelnick. forward to talk. Oh, it's Kelnick. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, we'll obviously uh, you know, bully Bobby a little bit over that. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers, who maybe are not as good as we thought they are, or maybe they are exactly as good as we thought they were. Uh, we're going to talk about raccoons because that was the thing a lot of people were talking about um, this past weekend. For no, Jordan, we're we talking about rats. totally understand. We're talking oh, about rats, rats. Rats or raccoons. We'll see. Uh, we'll hit you with the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and then we got some more fun stuff lined up for you. But Jake Mintz, where must we begin today? I think we have to begin in the Pacific Northwest. I think we have to. And Jordan, not in Tacoma. Pacific Northwest, we're not going to start 45 minutes south of Safeco. Oh, Safeco. God damn it. Of T-Mobile <laughs> Park, whatever. We're going to start in Seattle, Jordan Schusterman. Jared mm-hmm. Kelnick, the Mariners' top prospect, former Mets icon, has been called up reportedly, allegedly, to the Seattle Mariners to make his major league debut. How are we feeling, Jordan Schusterman? Um, This was a very strange uh, day on Monday because for those of you who are also extremely online, you might have been, you might have seen some of the more reputable 
uh, journalists uh, across our great hot stove landscape um, fall for some very bored Mariners troll accounts that were putting out. Uh, Kelnick called up uh, joke tweets yesterday and pretending that they're Mariners PR. That happened yesterday morning. Um, at the same time, I was getting my second vaccine shot and I was like, oh, Kelnick, okay, like I know he's going to be up soon, but like this is just exhausting and stupid and people are just bored because it's a it's a Monday. There's there's barely any games. Kelnick just went two for two again. Like we just need to make shit up. And then in the evening, I pulled up the old twitter.com and I saw Jeff Passan with the check mark, most importantly, with the reports that Kelnick is coming up on Thursday. And I I had to reread it like a hundred times because of course Mariners fans have been waiting for this tweet for the whole season, if not even back to last season. I mean, I knew he wasn't getting called up last season, but we've all been waiting for it. And uh it's it's very, very, very exciting. What are you excited for um before we I just go full homer mode and talk about how how great this is for Mariners fans? I'm excited for you. Oh, thanks. Man. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's slightly more complicated than that, but I am mostly excited for you. You got a, a, a fun new toy that you get to watch on MLB TV. It is yet another reason to get excited about your favorite team. You were watching the Seattle Mariners, Jordan, when they were running out Justin Smoke mm-hmm. and Brendan Ryan mm-hmm. and Jesus Montero, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're sure as shit going to watch when it's Jared Kelnick. So I'm excited for you. And I'm just excited to see what this guy looks like at the major league level because we, there aren't really any players that are totally like him where it's like a combination of like young Jay Bruce plus Trout kind of, but not that good, but maybe that good. Plus like Tyler O'Neill's body mm-hmm. plus like young pre-cheated Alex Bregman energy. Right. Like it's, it's, it a, a, it's it an a, odd package of things. It is a very, very strange package. He like, for those of you who just know him as the top prospect who the Mariners have been gaming a service time because their president is a complete idiot. Uh, that's fine. I, I can't blame you. And of course was in, you know, was a former Met traded away and then becomes amazing. Like those are, those are the, the headliners, but I'm not sure people really understood yet yeah, to, to your point, like how interesting of a, of a person this guy is. And he is in some senses, the, the generic, like just super duper baseball hardo. Um, but the fact that he is, you know, the highest drafted high schooler ever from Wisconsin. And he wears that like very seriously. I mean, you think of, you know, Wisconsin, he has the accent a hundred percent, but like, he's so intense. He's so confident. He will say things about how good, like he's not going to hide how good he is. Like it's it's the kind of thing he's not necessarily going to be hitting you with like crazy bat flips and whatever. But like he is going to play so hard and is so committed to showing everyone that he is the shit and will tell you that. And that is the kind of that that is also kind of energy that we obviously need more in baseball. Um, and and yeah, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. But like he's been good the whole time. So like at some point, if you're that good and you can hold it up, then then yeah. And honestly, to your point, like what it looks like at the major league level, I am curious if he struggles because again, this is one of those guys that has yet to struggle. He just we haven't seen him fail on a baseball field. He hasn't dealt with that. Um, and so major league baseball is really hard. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen there are some, some, yeah, some good players that. that that come up and, and really, really, really struggle. So um, obviously as a Mariners fan who's been watching this team, of course, we'll transition to the no hitter here in a second. Uh, the offense has been truly putrid and weirdly it has been the pitching and bullpen that has kept them afloat. Um, adding him to the lineup is, is certainly going to be helpful. It will not fix all their offensive woes, but uh, he is, he is, He's ready. He's ready. I do believe he's ready, and uh, he's probably been ready for a while, and I'm glad that he's going to have the chance to prove it. Are you ready? 
I don't know. How's your defense? <laughs> how's your defense? Yeah, how's how's my defense? No, I mean, look, man, I, I think uh, it's all look, it, it's all bullshit. And the quotes from Depoto and obviously from Mather are are shitty. And hopefully, again, all these things become mute moot because they change the rules about service time or whatever. But um, and, and that's the other thing. Kalnick maybe will be one of the last real. <laughs> One of the last faces of the of the service Mani- time game. One of the last manipulatees. Exactly, exactly. But no, obviously, I'm super excited. Um, it's just another reason, right, to to tune in. And another guy who who's going to be coming up to the plate that I'm excited to watch because the bottom half of the lineup has not been that for the Mariners this season. So, uh, Bobby, um, sorry, but the Mets are good right now, so you'll be fine. Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, wait, let's bring Bobby in for one yeah. second. Okay, yeah, Bobby. Every day, How, what? every Tuesday, I wake up to produce this podcast, and somebody <laughs> has to take a dig at me about Jared Kelnick. <laughs> well, this is Years my question for past. you. What are you rooting for? What is a good? What is the ideal outcome for Jared Kelnick for you as a Mets fan? I don't. I don't hold any spite towards Kelnick. I think, of course, I know. I want him to be great, great. and then sign with the Mets in free agency. Ooh. <laughs> You want him to be great and Edwin Diaz to close out the World Series. I mean, it's the same thing. Like last year. Yeah. And, I want and everybody before, to win all the games except the Yankees. I'd like them to go. Oh, exactly. I'm right there with you. Like I when, when Diaz was a disaster and, you know, Kalnick was tearing up the mind. Like it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was like, OK, great. This trade saved the Mariners franchise. But I wasn't like I love Edwin Diaz. I want him to succeed and trades are better yeah. when they're happy for everyone. So um, I hope so. But you guys remember I mean, Robinson Cano? Just yes, I do Quick remember check in on your memories Cano. of Robinson Cano. The guy from uh, Estrellas Orientales in the Dominican, right? Hey, Bobby, remember, uh, Robbie Cano getting popped is the reason you were able to spend all that extra cash in free agency. So, <laughs> No, I think $14.7 billion was the reason we were able to spend that extra cash in free agency. Ew. Well, they could have spent even more, but alas. Uh, all right. Anyway, that's that's the Jared Kelnick. I'm, Lastly, I'm ex- on Jared Kelnick, Jordan, did you or did you not send me a video of every single alternate site home run that Jared Kelnick hit last year? I certainly did. That <laughs> that I can I can cop that to. Was rude. I, I know I know what you're saying that was, but that's that's what I had. That's what I had last summer. I had to I had to cling to stuff like that. And uh, although it seems unfair because the Mariners actually finished with a better record than the Mets, so it really was piling on last year. But there alas. certainly is an element of it that's like because it's the Mariners and because they haven't made the playoffs for so long, and it's because it's not a team that has just like finds these guys all of the time and turns them into superstars. I don't feel quite as bad as I would if it was like the Red Sox. If the Mets right. had traded him to the Red Sox and he had turned into this, that would have really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this is this is better. I think I think most people are rooting for Kelnick to succeed because some of it is to say, fuck you, Kevin Mather, and some of it is just because he's an interesting, uh, cool young player and we like those. Uh, all right, all right Jordan, Jake. the vibes, the vibes <laughs> in Seattle are looking yeah. up. But if you were to get in a car, remember like get, like drive a car and and roll down the coast, down the PCH, Jordan, you would end up in Los Angeles where the vibes are not good. Decidedly not good for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The defending World Series champions and the favorite to win it all again in 2021. They currently sit at 18 and 17, just at one tiny, cute game above 500. They are in third place. Things are not doing, things are not great. Dodgers fans are getting frustrated. Dodgers players seem a little bit frustrated. They are almost certainly already probably not going to catch the 2001 Seattle Mariners record of most wins in a year, which everyone was writing articles about. And we, we are even talking about like two weeks ago. That seems like all like you have to be so good all the time to do that. And that seems out of reach now. Jordan, I'm not worried about the Dodgers at all. 
on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you? Um, like a four. And by worried, I mean like they're gonna have to maybe you know fight for this division for the at least for the first four or five months of the season, which again is more than we thought, even knowing what the Padres did and even accepting that the Giants don't suck. Like we still assumed the Dodgers would maintain a steady three to five game lead for pretty much the entire season until the end, until it was like 20 games, right? And so the reason I'll say four is that, yeah, they're just, they they do not appear to be, obviously they're, you know, 18 and 17. So obviously how much of a juggernaut could you be? But like they don't, they haven't had the same energy of inevitability, right? They had a few wins early on where it was like, oh, here come the Dodgers will come back. And obviously in that series against the Padres in particular, you did feel that sense where it was like the Padres are trying so hard and the Dodgers are still better, right? So hmm. they're cap- They're obviously still capable and they're absolutely still probably the best team in baseball. Um, and I know if you're a Yankees fan listening to this, be like, what the hell? Why aren't you laughing at the Dodgers? Because, you know, they're the defending World Series champs and now they're 500 and they're all panicking. Like, I mean, yeah, we can do that a little bit. I mean, we we talked about how the Dodgers are just becoming the evil empire West and how it's now we don't have to root for Kershaw to get his ring anymore. And of course we love Mookie, but it's like, okay, sure, the Dodgers, whatever, great. Like it's better if they're not running away with things because we want fresh blood, we want new teams, we want the Padres to be good, we want the Padres to be in it. So not that worried, but like, yeah, some things have gone really wrong. They have some big injuries like Bellinger and May, and I'm not as like terrified of them every time I'm I'm watching them. So if you take a closer deep dive into the numbers, and this is maybe an overly simplistic way to do this, every single starter of theirs has an OPS plus over 100. 100 is league average. Every single one of their hitters, except for Gavin Lux, who has been just abysmal, every single one of those hitters has been an above average hitter the entire year. I would say their two two of their three biggest uh, bench bats, McKinstry and Matt Beatty, have also been above average for the entire year. On the pitching side, every single one of their starters, Jordan Schusterman, has an ERA plus over 100. They've all been above average. The bullpen, the entire bullpen, the main four arms in the bullpen, Jansen, Trinan, Nelson, and Victor Gonzalez, all have ERA pluses over 100. This is an overly simplistic way to boil down a baseball team, and I understand that, but my point here is that they, I think, have just been the recipient of some really weird bad luck in close games. Their Pythagorean win-loss record, which is taking the runs that they've scored and the runs that they've allowed, their run differential, spitting that out into what the average expected win-loss record would be. They would be 21 and 14. I believe that would put them in either first or just in second behind the Giants. Time will tell that this team will be fine. They will win the division. I am excessively not worried. Um, not concerned at all. I would say my worry level is a one. I am at a one. I have zero concerns at all. Uh, It is exactly like the Yankees two weeks ago, and this is a good transition point. We went on this pod two or three weeks ago when the Yankees were scuffling, and we were like, y'all need to chill because this is going to turn around, and we blinked, we opened our eyes, it's May, and the Yankees are good, and the Yankees are fine. And the same thing is going to happen to the Dodgers in two weeks. Yeah, 100%. I will say, if there is one thing I am worried about, because again, when you look at all those numbers, you're like, how are they 18 and 17? And this is not the full answer, but their defense kind of sucks, <laughs> especially mm. with Bellinger out. That is something that has been trending in the wrong direction the last couple of years. Um, like Seager's just not very good. And, you know, 
Lux is not very good and Turner's like not very good. So like those are things that that just add up. Now again, I, I still don't totally understand how that equates to them only being a game over 500. Um, because again, like everything else is going well. Uh, but that is something to watch. That is something that I had not really thought about with the Dodgers and has clearly been uh, an issue uh, for them in the early going. But to your point, again, still early, not concerned. Uh, it is relevant that the Giants and Padres have been good enough because, again, it just means that they're not in a hole, but it just means that it's not going to be as easy to start running away with it the way they had the last literally seven years. <laughs> right. There was like the, well, there was the one year they had to beat the Rockies in that one game playoff, right? right. right. I don't know if it's going to be this close, but like, there will be meaningful Dodgers games in the second half of September, almost certainly. I just think that there's too much talent on this roster and too much depth. Like the guys that they're bringing up to fill in for those injuries are like pretty good. Like it's not, yeah. they're not scrubs. They're not having to sign, you know, players off of the free agent veteran pile to mm -hmm. plug holes. Mm -hmm. So I'm less worried about them. Yep. From a team I'm not worried about to a team I'm not worried about during the New York Yankees are back. They're hot. They're winning baseball games. Their yeah. players are good again. Um, everyone with a brain and, you know, a sense of perspective told you so. Yeah. We knew we knew this was coming, and I know they're only at 18 and 16, so it's not like they're that far ahead of the Dodgers, but from right. where they were, they were in last place in the American League. Oh, those were great times. And we said we were very clear. We said, let's enjoy this. It won't yeah, last Jordan, long. what will you remember? What for you? Like, <laughs> let's, let's, okay, the Yankees are good, whatever. Their players are good. They're going to be fine. We know that. Let's yeah. look back. Let's do a little retrospective mm. glance. There was the, like, a week where the Yankees were just absolutely dog shit. Yeah. What will you remember most from that time? What is the enduring image of that golden age for you? They were just having, like, they were just having offensive rallies just die so fast. Like, Normally with the Yankees, it's it's a barrage. It's a barrage of of 110 mile an hour exit velocities and just homers and DJ LeMahieu being annoying. Uh, but instead, um, they it was hopeless. It was strikeouts. It was great. It was DJ LeMahieu grounding out. It was then bad defense in the bottom half. It was just everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. For me, it's two things. Um, one is the trade for Rugnet Odor, which I know happened like a little bit before things really bottomed out for them. But it was just that the the solution was trading for the guy who the Texas Rangers paid to leave. That's nuts for the Yankees, right? That they were like, oh, this will fix it. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was when they threw trash, the fans threw trash on the field. Yeah, right. Th that has be to be. That's That's near the top for sure. Which is going to look hilarious in the American League Championship DVD. <laughs> like, just wait. Just be patient. Like, the next six train is coming in, like, three minutes. Like, just don't pile in. Don't throw trash. Like, you're, It's fine. You can wait. It's fine. You can wait a and little bit. I wonder if the people who threw trash. Like, if you found a trash thrower from mm -hmm. that day and you were like, how are you feeling now? Mm -hmm. Would they be like, oh, it's justified because, like, we were embarrassing at the time. <laughs> I mean, that is probably what they would say. We'd be like, you're crazy. I cannot relate to this at all. Um, the the thing about this team is still that is that is kind of shocking is that like, I mean, we talked a lot about how how the how many Jay Bruce played appearances would happen would kind of dictate how they were doing and how many Rudin Odor and now Odor's hurt, but like they've been so healthy besides Voigt. 
every single guy that they could have expected to be. And, and, and that's what's now kept them and put them back into the mix is that those guys have stayed healthy and then they've heated back up. Like, duh. Like, that's yeah. Stanton has been fucking awesome the whole time. Judge has kind of been on and off, but like, he's been great. I will say, I'm still a little bit worried about the uh, about the starting pitching. Like this is the the, the second half of the rotation. Not, yeah, but we not knew awesome. that. We, but knew, we knew that that, that like, was already part of it. And if they're back to hitting the shit out of the ball, like they're fine. Whatever, Yanks, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, we did enjoy it though. And you throwing trash is still embarrassing. Me or like Royal you? Because I didn't throw any. Trash. I'm sure you've thrown trash at some point, but probably not. I've never thrown field. trash on a baseball field. <laughs> okay, you would never do that. That is the I least throw, Jake Mintz thing you would ever do. Yeah, I throw trash into the microphone on this podcast weekly, however. Some might say uh, you got up on a mound every week and threw trash. No, that's hey, for sure. Oh, that not a week. I was a reliever. I was, I was working back every to back Every couple of games, hopefully not too many, three times in four days for your oh, UCL. Ma- oop. Wait. Oop. Oh, oop. That one popped mind. too. Oh. All right. Uh, talking about pit, talking about iconic dominant pitchers, Jordan Schusterman, we had two no-hitters this past week. Mm-hmm. And it is perhaps indicative of the current state of the league that we have waited to talk about them until the 20-minute mark uh, in the podcast. The two no-hitters that we had were incredibly different, and I personally experienced them very differently for obvious reasons. The first was John Means. I'm an Orioles fan. I was locked in, sixth inning on. It was awesome. Second no-hitter, Wade Miley, who's apparently on the Reds now. He threw a no-hitter on Friday night while I was in the woods with no cell service, and I have watched zero footage of it at all. A crazy juxtaposition for me emotionally. Jordan, is that the general vibe that you're getting from the baseball world, that the John Means no-hitter was like a celebration and people loved it, and the Wade Miley no-hitter was like, well, all right. like, Yeah, I mean, so much, Wade it, Miley, so much like, of it is like proximity together. Like, it, it just doesn't feel, I know we've already had you know, Carlos, like, there was another one, right? See, this is the thing I'm already... Musgrove, dude. Musgrove, right, of course. So, like, those had their, those had their, their kind of, like, one-liners, right? Like, Carlos was, you know, the the journey of Carlos Rodon, and for him to be the white side to throw, okay, great. Musgrove, obviously, San Diego, man, throws first Padres, no hitter, duh, right? John Means, which we can talk about now, like, and, and as you've written about, like, for the Orioles to have a starting pitcher even get to the seventh inning in any normal game, let alone to the eighth and to the ninth and to not allow any hits. That was the first time that even John Means had pitched in the eighth inning. Exactly, exactly. Whereas like Wade Miley, there's no like, <laughs> what is the what is the hook, right? What is the hook? Now again, the hook is that Wade Miley has been around forever and, is, and hasn't thrown a no-hitter. And like, obviously Wade Miley, just generic baseball veteran man, throwing a no-hitter is a fucking dream and it is cool, right? And so I don't want to completely undersell it because like, as we've said before, if baseball players care about it, we care about it to some degree, right? Like clearly it is still important to them and as much as we can talk about how no-hitters are becoming less impressive and we can get into that, that is a fact. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not cool. It doesn't mean it's not a celebration. And something we talked about when Means finished his is just the joy of watching your team celebrate something that is that can happen at any time. Someone tweeted this at us, which is a great point. Right in the postseason, it's you're you're anticipating all of it, right? When your team's fighting for for big wins and like trying to win, like you you are already thinking about it. John Means is a Wednesday afternoon, man. Like, you don't know that's when someone's going to throw a no-hitter, right? And by the way, I would also say that that kind of hurt Miley's uh, case because it was a Friday night with a full slate and there's 12 other games going on and you're like, oh, what? Wade Miley threw a no-hitter? Okay, 
cool. I'm going to go back and watch the Dodgers. Like it, it was a lot more worse. Like John means it's like, Oh my God, I think I got it's Wednesday afternoon. I got to tune in. This dude's about to almost have to throw a perfect game. So, um, yeah, those are, I would say the differences, but that doesn't, you know, we're not trying to take too much away from, from old Wade here. Yeah. No, 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 no shade on Wade. I just like the Wade Miley no hitter was cool for Reds fans, but it, it, it it's not like, I don't want to, they're different. I don't want to yuck yums, but like for me, and I, I realize that for a lot of Orioles fans, like this was like, this was the year, right? Like this is the season was like John Reed starting the no hitter was like the totality and like of the season. And the reason that we tuned into every game was that like John means the guy who Orioles fans have learned to love because he is a good pitcher. We have not had one since Mike Mussina. This good. I don't think that's a fact. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was the guy. And I, I wrote this, but it was a coronation of John Means, right? This mm-hmm. was a the moment that John Means went from guy everyone laughed about making the 2019 All-Star game to like actual good major league frontline starter that throws no hitters, right? And like anytime <laughs> Orioles no hitters, fan but... that throws no hitters all the time. And any like Orioles fans were punchlines, like we're all the time, like everyone, oh, the Orioles, LOL. And like this was like. No, the Mariners are the punchline. <laughs> Finally, the Mariners. Finally, the, the Mariners. <laughs> are the punchline. Um, uh, no, it was it was great, and obviously, as the as the Mariners fan side of that equation, of course, everyone was like, "Wow, no hitter Orioles against the Mariners. What the hell?" Um, I mean, I said this last week. Like, once it was the seventh inning, I was like, "Yeah, I want him to get it because the Mariners' offense stinks. They deserve to get no hit." And like, what difference does it make? This isn't, isn't they're racing for the pencil line. I desperately need him to win this game. Like, I would rather Jake enjoy all these things that he is describing is a way higher upside for me, the friend of Jake, than it is the Mariners fan. So um, it was great. Um, and and look, the Miley, I, I did watch the last uh, couple outs of the Miley one. And like, again, what what to me, what was great about that one is that like, yeah, he's been around a long time. And like Wade Miley has made, you know, that was his 255th career start. Like he has been a normal big league pitcher, serviceable big league pitcher, right? It's not like the the dominant aces who go out there and think every time I'm going to throw a no hitter. Like Wade Miley, while I know there every pitcher will tell you yeah, every time I go out there trying to go nine, trying to throw a no hitter. It's like no, Wade Miley's going to go out there and try to give you his five quality innings. Like that's what he's thinking when he's going out there, and then <laughs> to get to make it that far uh, and to and to finish it was was really cool. So, and I just want to make sure we're, we're bouncing it out a little bit because. It is still a little cool. All that said, this is a lot of no-hitters. And I am a little bit worried that it is going to... And this is very relevant to, you know, maybe something I'll bring up later during Good, Bad, Ugly. But it's just like, we can still celebrate them. And I think we we should we should acknowledge them for what they are, which is great individual performances that require luck, and re- but also can require mastery and reaching your peak form the way that John Means looked the best that I've ever seen John Means, right? It wasn't just that like he had a bunch of luck and that could be celebrated. Uh, but it is weird to continue to acknowledge it as like a historic achievement because <laughs> it is just going to feel less and less like that uh, as we get probably like five or six more this season. But um, that's fine. That's fine though. Doesn't mean it's okay. It. It's okay. Not everything is a, f- not everything is a bug. Some things are a feature. Uh, all right, Jordan, two more topics before we get to good, bad, and the ugly. We got to talk about Albert Pujols. Uh, our friends at the Ringer MLB show discussed this at length on Friday, but we want to talk about it briefly too. Albert Pujols, a first ballot Hall of Famer, 
a like no doubt upper echelon top 15 player of all time. I know for those of you listening, all you uh, Gen Zers out there watching your Albert Pujols highlights on TikTok. <laughs> all right. He was the man. Listen, come sit down. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story, Gen Zers, about Albert Pujols, the motherfucking man, because it's understandable that if you're young and even for us, like you and I, like when Pujols went to Anaheim in 2012, that was our senior year of high school. And we were baseball fans, but we weren't like what we are now. And so my image of Pujols is unfortunately decrepit and on the Angels. Um, what did you make of the decision for them to release him? Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing just because like we've all seen like when when they come out and say like this is a baseball decision, like we need to play our best players. Like, yeah, OK, but that's been true. That should have been true two years ago. Like Pools has been bad for two years. I know he's now at the last year of his very expensive contract, but it's just weird that this is why I think they, they feel the disrespect. If they had had this difficult conversation in spring training or in the offseason and said, look, dude, we think Jared Walsh is really good. Shohei Otani is a god, and we need him to be playing as much as possible, like we promised. And he's obviously one of the actual faces of our of our team. If we're going to be good, like we cannot play you every day. They, that that conversation should not be happening in the beginning of May. At this point, it shouldn't. It's th- that that is inexcusable. That is a failure in the organization. That is the actual decision to not play Albert Pools anymore. What how you can't realistically I don't think that's what people I don't think when Pedro Martinez and David Ortiz and all these other legends are saying like the disrespect for Albert Pujols it's not that they're saying that he's owed to play every day like baseball like the best players should be playing and he was no longer one of the best players right so it's not that part but waiting until now to do it is stupid and sloppy and unfortunate for so many reasons and I think that does deserve scorn I love the decision and I hate the way they went about doing it because it is the type of the it is the type of the of decision that the Angels have not made, right over the last couple of years when they continue to play Pujols in situations where they like hurt them on the field significantly. The timing is weird, for sure. Um, and the Angels have not earned as an organization over the last half decade the benefit of the doubt in situations like this, where you 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 talk to Pujols, you say, hey. We're going to release you next week. We're going to announce it. We're going to give you another couple games at home. You could say goodbye. You can wave to the crowd. You can hit a home run in your last at bat and everyone can go crazy. He deserved and still does deserve a last moment in the sun because he was that dominant of a player at his peak. Now, I don't think he will get it. I don't understand which team will sign him. If the Cardinals were ass they could sign him in September and give him a week of games there would be cool. Um, now, there's so many weird other things about, like, he has a clause, I think, in his contract that he has to go into the Hall of Fame as an angel, right? Oh, I don't, I, I know that that was something that he has talked about. I don't know if it's a clause in there. I know that, like that was Vlad, something- Vlad had that. Yeah, it, that was something that he has talked about. And, and he has said in recent years that he will go in with no cap out of respect for the angels. Like he was going to go with the no, Cause I think obviously for the first year, so, Oh, it's still going to be a Cardinal. It's like, no, he's been there just as long as St. Louis now, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I mean, again, like my, my, my question to you is, is, is that like, what, what do you want to happen? How, what is the next move here? Because they've put him in a very difficult spot to have this 
goodbye. Like, I, I don't know, because to your point, like, yeah, I don't know what winning team's going to sign him. There's still no DH in the NL. Like, it's just, there's no one that could even say. Now, some people have pointed out, people, some teams would sign him for, as a bench bat. He doesn't believe that he is a bench bat. At the same time, he's going to have to look in the mirror and decide, yeah, if I want to keep playing, I can't start anymore. And I think that that will happen. And I think that he will sign with someone. I don't know who it is, but I do think that he will sign with someone as a bench bat eventually. Um, Obviously, it's not going to be in Anaheim because that relationship seems to be fractured now. But I do think some bad team will give him a shot as a bench bat this season. And then that will be it. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, now that I think about it, he he deserves that last moment. Um, and St. Louis would be like the the best thing ever. But there's also something incredibly weird about like, you know, if the Pirates pick him up and he just like says goodbye in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that's like, the problem. That's weird. That's the problem. It, it, the other the other way that I think would be better if he really looked in the mirror and decided it's still shitty because they they botched the actual ending where he could actually say goodbye to the fan. But that's the decision that they made is that if he does say, I'm going to retire, I'm going to go to the cardinals and retire a cardinal sign the one-day contract and do whatever but that's also strange after all this that makes the angels look even worse (laughs) so so yeah well they put themselves in the situation like when you sign a guy to this type of contract right like you are taking a risk at the end of the deal that it's going to look ugly right and for pujol specifically the way that the contract went like it didn't the last couple years were messy obviously right and it's the type of thing where, like, if you're going to make the commitment for the first X number of years, just ride it out, man. Like, like the la- you you created a situation here that you put yourself in, right? Where, like, if you if you have a conversation with him th- two years ago and you do it nicely, then like it doesn't have to look this bad. But like, you've I don't I can't get inside the relationship between Artie Moreno and Pools, right? Like, maybe they're cool, maybe it's chill, but. I- but that's the other so. thing. They could have put him in a better position if they had done this two years ago. Then there's, it's a way more likely that another team would be like, you know what? Let's give Albert a shot. He gets a full season again as as a bad, you know, first base DH. Now it's so far past that that you've put him in a bad spot. You put the team in a bad spot. That's why it is an ugly decision. All that said, to your point, Gen Zers, holy shit, this dude was amazing. Go watch some highlights. And to your point, I know we like, yeah, we think about these. Thankfully, we still have the 2011 playoffs because holy shit. Like, that was still basically, I mean, I guess you could say it's a little bit past peak pools, but not really. Like, he was he was pretty much every bit uh, as amazing as he was uh, in the beginning. So, cheers to you, Albert. Uh, I hope that you could find some better way for this to end than getting DFA'd in the middle of the week and blindsiding everybody involved. That is really what we hope for you. All right, Jake Mintz. It's time to bring in Bobby Wagner. Hashtag rat chat. Because this is, I'm sure, what a lot of people thought we would maybe be leading with because it was such such Twitter fodder this weekend as the New York Mets have burst back onto the scene as a hashtag good baseball team. But that is not what people were talking about. They never left, baby. They were always good. They left. They left. They never left. They left. Um... There was some sort of incident between Mr. Francisco Lindor, who we've talked a whole lot about here on this here Heard of him. baseball barbecue pod. Bobby Wagner, huge fan. Big fan. Uh, <laughs> something happened between Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil during, I believe it was Friday night's game. Yes. Um, 
and there was suggestions or reports in some sketchy video that suggested that they were in some sort of altercation during the game over who knows what. This is before they went in. I swept the D-backs, right? So then they're feeling good. The key piece of evidence here mm-hmm. was a shot of Michael Conforto coming in after the inning to the dugout, glancing down the tunnel, doing one of the most memeable quadruple <laughs> takes of all time, and then sprinting down into the tunnel, followed by a gaggle of Mets peering through the tunnel, uh, rubbernecking whatever was going on down there. Well said. Like a lot of Mets. Like this was a lot not, of Mets. He runs. Was, in. They were meeting. You could have met all the Mets. <laughs> there was probably at least six or seven members of the dugout, from coaches to other players, up that higher, maybe higher, higher, fifteen that bolted to the tunnel. Now we could not see. Now, as far as I know, Bobby, please correct me on this. There is no actual video of any sort of fight happening. Is that correct? No, not unless the Astros have some camera we don't know about. <laughs> oh, they might though. They might though. Bobby, this is about you. This is not about the Astros. All right, let's stay focused. <laughs> is that always about the Astros? <laughs> then okay. we should say after the game, hmm. after the game, the Mets, asked, win. Mets, good, win. Good, Mets win. Lindor homers the next Lindor inning. Homers. Yep. I would formally like to ask Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball to let the Mets play the Diamondbacks every weekend. <laughs> Get behind me. Are you guys with Who? me? Who says no? <laughs> what, a, what a hilariously specific thing, like showing up to the MLB offices and like, you're like, you've got the whole, you know, you've got signs. You'd be like, let the Mets play the D-backs. Like, oh, it was really Bobby, specific. do you want me to swing down to Midtown? <laughs> or as Drupal sign. Cabrera at shortstop. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woo! Okay, uh, so, okay, so things I wasn't saying game, in 2017. <laughs> yes. After the game, Francisco Lindor is asked about it, because duh. And he makes up one of the most... Uh, let's give the benefit of the doubt. Francisco Lindor says this. Steve, it was, it was funny because I told him, I was like, hey, I'd never seen a New York rat. So we went down sprinting. I want to go see a New York rat. And he got mad at me. He's like, no, it's not a rat. It's a raccoon. I'm like, hell no, man. It's a damn rat. It's a New York rat, man. I was just crazy because we were going back and forth debating if it was a rat or a raccoon. <laughs> crazy, man. Insane. Who, who was he? Who were you debating that with? Uh, we Jeff, we Jeff. I was like, bro, you got, you got to check this out. I was like, this is a New York rat. He's like, no, man, I've been here longer than you. <laughs> okay, probably a lie. <laughs> what was your first clue? The fact that he was laughing through the whole thing. <laughs> the Bobby. fact, the fact what? that it comes across the- as like, well, here, here's, here's really my first question about this. Well, l- l- let me, let me ask a question first. Bobby Wagner, Jordan Schusterman, and Jake Mintz. That's me. Did Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil see an animal in the tunnel, yes or no? No. No. Jordan, no. I also think no. All right. That's important. Okay. Here's my next question. When Francisco Lindor walked to the podium, knowing that he would be asked about this, did Jeff McNeil know the story that Francisco Lindor was about to share? Did anyone else know the story that he was about to share besides Francisco Lindor? So Gotta get your thought, story straight before you get to, before the, the cops talk to you. I've thought before a lot about Gelb's, this question. Before Gelb starts hurling you questions. It doesn't seem very collaborative. It doesn't seem like the type of thing Jeff McNeil would want to get behind, honestly. And then if you watch the Jeff McNeil press conferences from later in the weekend, it doesn't really seem into the bit. You know, he's not committed. He's not really yes-anding the bit. Much like Luis Roas, who didn't even acknowledge the bit. He was just like, no, I'm shutting this down. I don't know what went on, but I'm not talking about a rat. 
or a raccoon. I think Lindor turned to McNeil and he's like, he was like, when they found out that Lindor was going to go first, I think Lindor was like, don't worry, Jeff, I got this. Strolled up there. Totally agree. Totally agree. And it was complete improv. It was like. And there's a shot that like, maybe the whole (laughs) reason they don't get along (laughs) is that Lindor brings a type of energy where he's like, don't worry, Jeff, I'm going to make up a lie about animals. Well, this is, okay, so this is why I find this so fascinating because when we talk about the, the personalities involved here, right, and we like both of these players and both very likable among the team, outside the team, whatever. When Jeff McNeil struggles on the baseball field, he is so mad. Like, yeah. this dude is yeah. breaking shit. He is screaming at himself. He is like, just, uh, right? And he's, Friday night, because particular Jeff McNeil game, too. He was really upset with yeah, himself. He, he really, rolled over on a couple middle, middle fastballs, and exactly. that is not a recipe for success for Jeff McNeil. Francisco Lindor, conversely, even through this epically brutal slump where he's striking out and popping up left, he is the most positive. Right, like, it's it not an act. Like, epically he, brutal. All right, it's been a month. Cool. He's, it's, you, it's you, you know, up. Bobby, you've sent us texts too. Okay, let's, let's Shut relax up. now. Okay, so hold on. So, but when he's been doing Undo it, the contract. Part, part of what part of what has been so fascinating and sort of sad and hard to watch, but also like in some ways impressive, is that like no matter what, he pops out. He literally runs back to the dugout, puts the stuff away, goes back to the top step, and starts cheering on his teammates. It yep. is like it is like a fucking like it's it's everything you would expect from this Francisco Lindor character to be. He's never it's like an infomercial for a little leaguer. Like this Seriously. is what you're supposed to do. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so the the contrast there is obviously somewhat ripe for some sort of altercation or some sort of like McNeil is losing his shit at himself, maybe at Lindor. Lindor's probably like, dude, relax. Like, I can't imagine Lindor being the one to like also fight back unless he's so good at hiding it that that's maybe what boiled over. But I'm actually more interested in that aspect aspect of it. Like for Lindor as a leader, well, it's it's interesting because he's new to the team. So he's like still ingratiating himself as the leader of the team. He's clearly on the path to be that or interested in being that given his time in the league and the respect that he's garnered league-wide, but then also in Cleveland. So you would think that like he would take a little bit of time, but Lindor doesn't seem like the guy who would take a little bit of time to try to just like create those relationships and be a leader. And for him to try to reach McNeil in that moment, I am fascinated to hear what he would say and whether he would get like fiery in that moment behind closed doors. Now, we're going to have to talk to the Astros to see if we can get that camera footage. I don't know if they have audio in there as well with the mic setup. We can talk about that, but... Uh, yeah. I don't. I, I think that like McNeil probably just like pushed him. You know, I think that yeah. that was it. No, no punches were thrown unless oh, they were all course. body of shots. Course. Like of there course. was no black eyes. No, I think, I think Conforto deserves the most blame here. Here's a take. Blame. Ready? Not blame. Blame's the wrong word. Uh, let me take back blame. Conforto by reacting to this like he was seeing like a freaking military firefight in the in the walkway that brought the attention to it. Right. Like, and I'm not bl- like, it was his natural reaction. Like whatever. That's why blame is the wrong word, but like, that's what put all the eyes on this. Right. That's why it led to like it being like a thing. Maybe we hear about it afterwards. Maybe we don't, but that's like the mechanism through which it became a thing. I don't particularly care what happened. Like, I really don't like this kind of shit happens all the time. And we on teams all across the league, good chemistry, bad chemistry. And we never hear about it. And like, I don't think the Mets owe us anything in terms of telling us what actually happened. I 
just think it's fucking weird the way that Francisco Lindor chose to handle it. Yes. And like, it's not, it's not like problematic. It's not like bad. It's just weird, right? And like, that's fine. That's great. More weird shit in baseball, please. It was so weird. It was like, it was when he first started saying it, and then, like, when he doubles down and shows up in McNeil's press conference and, like, hugs him and was like, it was a raccoon. I'm like, okay, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, to Jake's point, more weird shit, the better, right? There's a version of this where he just shows at the podium. It's like, yeah, like, whatever. We're baseball players. We get emotional. It happens. We won. Who cares? Non-story. Bye. Move on. Taking it right? one pitch at a time. Oh, exactly. sorry. That was the wrong generic answer to give. <laughs> but like, he could have done that, but he didn't. Could have done that, but he didn't because he's different. Jor- uh, Jordan and Bobby, uh, do different? you like Francisco Lindor more or less or the same than you did a week ago after the rat coon situation? The same. The same I, as I'm well. not. I'm yeah. not giving him points for this. I give him points for this. I give him points for this. Just the fact that a Major League Baseball player's mind (laughs) works in this way. That's true. That's true. Where like, this is the type of thing that like one of my weird ass friends would do. And I just like, I thought it made Lindor in a way like both completely inaccessible and incredibly relatable at the same time. Where it was like, what an odd lie that must be reliant upon you having an understandably enormous ego. But also, great Great weirdo. Like, that's a weird-ass lie. Like, that's hilarious. Um, it is sort of a testament got- to how likable Lindor is because if anybody yes. else did this, they'd be like, everybody would be like, get the fuck out of here with this. Like, you can't do <laughs> right, a bit. If you're, like, so if you're Adam Eaton, you can't do this bit. You can't do no. this bit. No one is going along with this bit if you're Adam, Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton did this bit and then Drake LaRoche happened. <laughs> um, let me ask another question. What are some better lies? Because it's obvious to me that Lindor did not want to say we got into an altercation, right? He had made a decision that that wasn't going to happen. The rat raccoon bit makes no sense because it's not something that would lead to blows or be the type of thing that Conforto would react in the way he did to. So I'm going to give you uh, like a couple seconds to think. You're Francisco Lindor. The media knows that there was Conforto running in the tunnel and you were in I there quit producing McNeil. this podcast. I have plenty of money. <laughs> Okay, Bobby. What is your lie? What are you saying to the press in this situation? Or are you not lying? How are you handling this? Again, like I said, the easiest would have been to just be like, yeah, we were getting chippy because we're the Mets and there's a lot of pressure on us and we would like to be playing better. And But guess what? I hit a homer and we won and we're feeling good. End of story. That's the correct answer, right? But to Jake's point, we're glad he didn't go the way. So, so this is the thing. You need to come up with something that is that is compelling enough that would have made Conforto slash the entire Mets dugout react to this, but was not bad. What would attract the attention of the whole Mets dugout? I Jeff don't know. McNeil. Jeff yeah. McNeil was nude in the tunnel, dancing just by himself. Just totally nude, just no clothes on mid game, and Conforto was like, "Whoa!" Here's no. Here's what it is. Where does Lindor Ready? come in then? Can you imagine Lindor going to the mic and be like, "Yeah, like it was nuts. Like I was in the tunnel and Jeff was just fucking naked." This is a really weird answer, but I'm I'm just gonna go with, again. I'm trying to think along the lines of what would get the whole dugout to run during the game to go somewhere. 
basically something along the lines of there is a flood or a toilet malfunction in yeah. the clubhouse That's a good that one. is maybe impacting like what's at our lockers. So it's like Lindor was like, oh my God, our clubhouse is flooding. Wow. All of your That's expensive really good. All of your expensive stuff is at risk. And Conforto's like, oh shit, I left my <laughs> left my, my Jordan State pullover. <laughs> Pete Alonzo took a fucking huge dump and clogged the toilet. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying. It had to be like something that would be like damaging property that belongs to players. There you go. <laughs> that's really real good. I like that one. That's great. Maybe they saw like Chili Davis. And they were like, oh my God, oh, Chili's back. Yo, Chili's back. We got to go see Chili. That's a good answer too. I like that. That's all I got. That's Maybe Jeff McNeil's line. wife was back there with the puppy. Ooh, they do love that puppy. But there was a level of concern. <laughs> yeah, there was like a level of urgency. It Maybe wasn't the puppy like a, was getting sick back there. You know, dogs, they get hmm. sick here and there. Maybe everybody it, wanted to go check on the puppy. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> McNeil had some bad seafood the night before and was vomiting in the tunnel, Lindor is the type of guy who, when he sees someone vomit, also vomits. So oh, Conforto... No. Like elementary so con- school. Like elementary school. <laughs> like so family guy is running in, and he sees both Lindor and McNeil projectile vomiting on each other in the tunnel, and is like, wow, I have to help my teammates out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, All man. compelling. I think Jordan won. All right. Yeah, Jordan definitely won. I did my best. The, the big, the big poop leading to the. I just the take it one flood. lie in the tunnel at a time, you know. Well, hold on. Last point. So on what this. happened was La- last. Last point on this. Here's why it's extra weird. Okay, not that we haven't already established why it's weird. The story that Lindor presented in, implied that they were fighting over a raccoon and rat. He didn't say there was. A, like here would have been better if he said there's a freaking grizzly bear in our fucking tunnel. I just, oh my God, you guys have to see this, right? Or there's a raccoon or there's a skunk or there's some sort of wild animal in our tunnel that you have to see. There's a liger. There's a liger in our tunnel, okay? You have to come see this, right? Andrew Yang is beatboxing in the tunnels. (laughs) He was saying that we were (laughs) arguing, right? He was copping to the argument. He was copping to the getting mad over something, which is almost admitting it. And That's truth. That's truth, though. Anyway. You know what uh, they could have just said something really simple like so they had stepbrothers on in the clubhouse and we were arguing about what's the funniest line. Exactly. Baseball players love that shit. <laughs> that yeah. makes the the bench coach like running into the tunnel even funnier. <laughs> Jeff McNeil was like golf is the best and I was like no dude golf sucks. And then it just got heated. I was like you should use a 2 iron in that shot bro. You should use a you should use your driver in that scenario man. It could Bobby, like, oh, Bobby shit, naming golf in. clubs. Bobby just named golf clubs. A wedge? At a boy. Are there yeah, more? Hey. That's it. That's enough golf chat. Um, all right, Jordan. That's, uh, that's enough good. rat raccoon we did our, talk. Yeah, we did our raccoon chat. Obligatory rat raccoon talk. We're going to take a little break, and I have a little game for Jordan, and then we're going to do good, bad, ugly, and say goodbye. All right, we are back here on Baseball Barbecue, and there is a game that we play on this show very often called Why Haven't You Homered Yet, in which Jordan asks me why I, various baseball players, have not yet homered. Now, Jordan does not know what's about to happen, but I have a slight variation on this game that we're going to play this week in honor of the recent uptick 
in no hitters. Jordan, welcome to Why Haven't You Thrown a No Hitter Yet? Mm, This is great. I'm so glad uh, that you uh, have presented this here today because as we were talking earlier about no hitters, I was thinking about how, like, who are the best pitchers that haven't thrown a no hitter? Because I'm sure there are some, right, that have that have dreamed it and you would think would have one, but now they don't. And Wade Miley does. So exactly. So let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready to to stand and, and speak on behalf of these great pitchers. Jacob DeGrom, why haven't you thrown a no-hitter yet? So this is a pretty obvious one. Uh, Realistically, uh, one of the more frustrating no-hitter things is when your team has not scored any runs. And honestly, I don't want to go through the added stress. I already have to throw so perfectly and pitch so perfectly to have my team even be in the game, even knowing they're not going to score any runs for me. I'm not going to go through the trouble of throwing a no-hitter a perfect game knowing uh, it is going to be zero zero going to the tenth yeah. inning. Um, that just seems like even more work than I'm already doing. A better answer would have been my defense always sucks. Uh, next one, Zach Granke. You've been pitching forever, like since I was three years old. You frequently pitch deep into games. Why haven't you no hittered yet? That's a good one. So no hitter to me. Uh, this is very very easy. That comes with a lot of attention. In fact, I believe I'm on the record saying uh, in in past times when I have almost had no hitters that I'm glad that I didn't because I still won the game and I didn't have to talk to media folk like you any more than I already do. I don't particularly like that, uh, that, you know, that part of the job. Uh, I just like pitching and winning. That's enough for me. Don't need a okay. no hitter, and uh, no hitters aren't even that cool, and just not for me. You don't so. need a no hitter. You just need ten steals and ten home runs. That is much more important to me. Yes. Hey, Adam Wainwright, why haven't you thrown a no hitter? Um, <laughs> that is uh, that is a good question. That is a good question. You know, I don't I, know. I have I have really tried. You know, me and Yanni Molina have suited up together. What is it now? 6,000 times, I believe, starts yeah. together. I believe we're up there uh, in terms of battery mates that have that have shared uh, the, the no-hitter. I'm actually, it's, it's actually Yadier Molina's fault. I know he's a legend, okay. and I know that he is the kind of guy that you trust every, every sign that he puts down. And I trust him so much that there have been times when no-hitters have maybe been in reach, and I've just always been like, all right, we're going to go with Yadi. And sometimes he knows whatever's going to get me through the game is going to get me to help me win. If that means giving up a couple singles here and there to kind of set up the hitter for the next step bat, that's fine. That's fine. That's the way we go about it, the cardinal way. We're not doing anything too flashy. We're not trying to do individual achievements. It is about teamwork and team victories do not need uh, further uh, further you know attention. It's all about the cardinals. It's not about me. Johnny Cueto. Why haven't you no hittered yet? You seem like exactly the type of guy who would have like three of them. Yeah, I really just kind of get a little bit too cute late in the game. Like, okay, I I like I cannot help but do my shimmy shimmy when I've got my no no through six to the point where everyone's like, oh look, look, there's Johnny doing his thing again. And then, ah, shit, it didn't work. Uh, you know, it didn't work. If I really focused, I could probably do it. If I hadn't gotten hurt. When I did, okay. I probably would have thrown one by now. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm more focused on giving pitching ninja as many gifts as possible. 
Brent Honeywell Jr., why haven't you thrown a no-hitter yet? Yeah, so this has been uh, mostly because I don't know if you saw, but so I had the one arm surgery and then I had the other arm surgery and then I had the other arm surgery and then I had the other arm surgery. And and now the Rays will let me start. (laughs) And now the Rays, because of that, even when I was healthy, they weren't going to let me go more than three innings because they're the Rays. Now they're really not letting me go deep. So really my best chance now is probably a five inning rain out no hitter. Um, Got it. But uh, I will. I am Brent Honeywell. I will throw a no-hitter because I am the greatest pitcher who ever lived. Last one. Mark Appel, why haven't you thrown a no-hitter yet? You know, I'm glad you asked. That's actually why I came back. Um, Oh, shit. Because I I had, of course, I was already a first-round pick, and then I was another first-round pick. First overall, I made all this money, and then I got traded, and then throwing 98, I'm almost in the big leagues. Uh, and then I, I hung it up. I said, you know what? I don't need to, I don't need this. In, I don't need baseball in my life anymore. I'm going to go do something else. And then I was listening to baseball barbecue and they, and, and Jake Mintz was talking about no hitters. Like, shit, I haven't done, I have not done one of those. I should come back and do that. I should come back and throw a no hitter. And so I rejoined the Phillies. I'm hanging out in Reading, PA and, uh, on my journey back, not just to make the major leagues for the first time, but to throw a no hitter in the major leagues it will happen awesome well thank you thank my you. pleasure my pleasure Feels, just it felt like everyone arms. had a no hitter just felt like everyone had a no hitter <laughs> no they don't mark Appel does not have one yet let's go to the good the bad the ugly jake mince on this segment we tell you what was good what was bad and what was ugly in honor of dan ugla marlin's legend one of the ugly, weirdest baseball things we've ever had something weird in the world this week but let's begin with the good jake what was good for you this week Oh, Jordan Schusterman, there is a story on MLB.com right now written by friend of the show, Sarah Langs, and the headline is, here's why Stanton is off to such a hot start. The article is well written, as Sarah Langs usually does. The answers are, he sees more pitches in the zone, he's using the whole field, he's hitting the ball even harder. But I don't need this article, Sarah Langs, because the reason why Giancarlo Stanton is off to such a hot start is that he's healthy. And that he's fucking enormous. And this is what happens when both of those things are going. At the same time, Giancarlo Stanton has been incredible over the last couple of weeks. Duh, freaking duh. Have you looked at him? Have you seen him? He is the size of two houses, two big, like, baseball player-owned mansion houses. And, like, no shit he's hitting on runs. He's healthy, he's happy, and, like, he's on the Yankees. I don't need a whole article about it. Just look at him. Look at him one time. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. It really is as simple as he has been on the field. I don't believe, I'm not sure how much outfield he's played this year. Uh, hopefully he's none. I don't care. Don't care. He's designate don't this guy care. to fucking hit. And he is doing exactly that. He is in a tier of his own in terms of raw power. He is just a complete freak. And uh, yeah, man, he is one of a kind. I'm, and I'm glad he's finally getting to show it off because Yankees fans don't know how lucky they are. There are some players in major leagues where like you look at them and it's like, how are you good? You know, like Jose Altuve. Wow, that's incredible. How are you good? Like Hunter Pence, you swing like a broken marionette. Like, how are you good? Mm-hmm. John Carlos Stanton, I could bring a freaking three-year-old and they'd be like, oh, that guy's good because look at him. Yeah, it's like, oh, right. Duh. Uh-huh. Yep. It, it, sometimes it is. Sometimes it makes sense. It's sometimes it's exactly what it looks like. It's exactly what you think it is. My good this week, we go down to Texas, where Adolis Garcia mm. heard of him. Yes, maybe not. 
I know you have, but maybe some people have not because they're not watching the 2021 Rangers and that's okay. We have spent previous good, bad uglas talking about how terrible the Rangers are, and I'm going to give them a little bit of love and talk about Adolis Garcia, who is now up to nine home runs. He's hitting 295. He has been spectacular for a Rangers offense, desperately in need of offense. And this is has been one of the most fun breakouts in all of baseball. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, the younger brother of Adonis Garcia, who was uh, briefly with the Braves from 2015 to 2017, uh, another, you know, came over from Cuba. Um, now, Adolis is, is a weird case because he actually played in Japan before he came uh, to the States and signed with the Cardinals in 2017. But I just love when I go back and be like, wow, okay, so I remember the Cardinals signed him. How did he end up on the Rangers? Well, he was in AAA with the Cardinals for uh, 284 games, nearly two and a half wow. full seasons in Memphis. If that sounds familiar, that's because, yes, he was also sharing an outfield with fellow Cuban outfielder Randy Rosarena before they traded him to Tampa and he went off. Now, does that mean Adolis Garcia is going to go on and become the ALCS MVP? Probably not because the Rangers are probably not going to be in the ALCS. ALCS. But, but what I will say is that this is, more importantly, a great case of a talented player given the opportunity to show what he has at the major league level because this is the thing. Sometimes we want our, our players at the big leagues, but especially guys that prove it in AAA. Just, I want these guys to just get a shot. Most of them will suck, right? Most of there's a reason that scouts have looked at them and said, no, it's not going to work in the big leagues, right? But I love when teams like the Rangers are able to give these guys a chance and go off. And let me tell you, this dude is having a lot of fun. This guy is so happy to be doing this at the major league level on national TV, even for for a team that is not that good. They've been they've been in it. He's hit some huge home runs and uh, he has just been a ton of fun to watch. And the, the last thing, just to kind of get the Cardinals out from under this quickly, is that like the Rangers themselves who acquired them this offseason, they DFA'd him in spring training or, or before spring training when they signed Fulte. Um, so like the Rangers themselves, even having acquired them, didn't fully believe in him. He started this year at the alt site. He didn't come up until April 16th. Like even the Rangers now, it looks like, oh my God, they're geniuses. They got Adolis Garcia. It's like, no, they also were doubting him, but they finally gave him the shot and he's been so much fun. Cannot recommend watching Adolis Garcia uh, any more than I just did. So there you go. There's my good. All right. Here's my bad. Jordan, the minor league baseball season started mm -hmm. and it's great. That's not bad. And we've talked How about this be before. Bad? We've talked about this before. But the league names in minor league baseball are the worst. They We knew they were going to be named super boring. Uh, but once play really got underway, it has made it exponentially harder to know who is playing whom, where it is happening. It is a mumbo jumbo of boring garbage. Jordan, I'm just going to read the names. <laughs> Of the minor league <laughs> They're leagues. They're all the same, okay. but go ahead. Triple yes. A East, Triple A West, Double A Central, Double A Northeast, Double A South, High A Central, High A East, High A West, Low A East, Low A Southeast, Low A West. Okay. Really? Uh, that's that's it. That's, that's what, what we got. got. That's what we got. Because yeah. it just makes it's it so uh, confusing and complicated to like try and understand who's playing whom and like. They used to be interesting and they used to be indicative of like the league's history. We had the Eastern League and the Sally League. And I understand that a lot of those leagues are just direction and location. And it's not like particularly artistic, but it just gives it a little bit of energy, just a little bit of verve and flair. And it just feels just, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. And I do not think it is, it is long for those. I'm sure next year we will get hopefully nothing too overly sponsored and shitty. Hopefully we have real league names again for my bad this week. Uh, this is the, I mean, here we go again, folks. Uh, Byron Buxton is hurt again. And this is simple. I'm just really sad because he was doing it once again, more than he ever was. I believe as we record this, he is still uh, in the top uh, 10 or so in baseball reference or sorry, in, in fan graphs where, oh, he's, he's fallen below the, the qualifications. And I believe he's still in the top 10. Yeah, he's still two. <laughs> he's at two. He's, 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 he's only at 98 plate appearances, basically 30 or 40 behind everyone else. Um, and he's only behind Mike Trout. He has been everything you could possibly dream of. And now for a twins team that is desperately trying to claw themselves out of the hole uh, that they've dug themselves. I just, this is not what they need. And of course it is predictable because this is what always happens with Byron Buxton, but it is a gigantic bummer, uh, especially when he was really, really, really peaking as much as he can. So this is just uh, the good, the bummer and the ugly because I am just so bummed out about this. This seriously sucks. So get back soon, Byron Buxton. You are fucking incredible. To the ugla, Jake Mintz, what do you got for ugla? Uh, you watched the Cedric Mullins triple? I did. Excellent highlight. Excellent highlight. Uh, where do you want to go with it? I mean, it was spectacular. For those of you who have not seen it, Cedric Mullins, the Orioles' second all-star next to John Means. Hell yeah. Kind of like last night in the game against Boston, like flared a ball very high between like behind the third baseman. Rafael Devers was playing in for the bunt and was like the only guy on that side of the field. And Xander Bogarts was like behind second base. And so even though it was like an obvious pop out, the ball like dropped in. It hit Bogarts's glove. He then bobbled it a couple times and Mullins ran around all the way, never stopped and beat the throw to third for like a pop up triple. I went on a beautiful website called Baseball Savant Jordan. This is the second highest launch angle triple of the Stackcast era. Oh, that's a great find. That's a great find. Okay. So it's like, Okay, oh, like launch angle. I don't like launch angle. This is simple. Everyone, relax. It's basically, this is the second highest a ball has ever been hit in the last like 15 years or whatever. How many degrees? For a triple. Uh, I believe the, oh, I closed it. I believe the Mullins one was 58 degrees. 58. Okay, so just for people know who are listening to this, like I can't calibrate this at all. To hit a home run, the max is basically like 45 or 46. Like that's about as high as you can hit it and still be a homer. If you go above that, it's a pop-up, it's a fly out, like whatever, right? It's 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 basically yeah. not a hit it, for the most part because you're hitting it too high. So if we're into the 50s, yeah, that's that should it's almost always an out. Um and to see that, I mean, of course it was the perfect, you know, Bermuda triangle play down the left field line, left fielder, third baseman, and shortstop and Bogart's hitting it. But the best part of the play and I know people pointed this out on Twitter, there is a very very clear best part of the play. Um, do you, do you know what I'm going to mention? Well, before we talk about, mm -hmm. I, I just want to read the number from it. Yep. 70 miles an hour off the bat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 58 degree launch angle. Amazing. Triple. The number one was a Devin Meserocco triple <laughs> in um, 2017 that he hit 63 degrees up with an 84 mile an hour exit velocity. He Mets hit it legend. about. Mets Mets legend. legend. Oh, we're Current? going to talk about that in yeah. a bit. Uh, it, the ball was hit about 40 feet further 
Then Cedric Mullins is, it was like a flare over first base and Bellinger just kind of botched it and Maserac, it took a weird bounce and he kept running. Mullins is, was almost more pure. Like Mullins hit his ball 20 miles an hour softer and 20 miles an hour shorter and basically as high as Maserac. So it is like statistically the weirdest triple we've had in the last like 15 years. So yeah. And, and, and that's a great example of like when you see something and you'd be like, there's no way that that has been like, this is the beauty of having all these numbers is like, you can actually quantify like, Oh no, that is one of the most unlikely triples we've ever seen. The best part of the play by far is when Devers finally collects the ball because Bogart's like botches yeah. it and hits it. Devers picks it up and immediately looks to second because he assumes that's where Mullins is heading because normally most guys who pop this up, are maybe trotting and then, okay, now once we see that it's maybe going to drop, now I'm going to start hustling to get into second. So he looks to second only to realize that Mullins is past second and going into third. It is an amazing moment and uh, amazing base running, amazing hustle, hilarious, bizarre baseball play, uh, said Mullins, is wonderful. So, What's your ugla, my friend? Book. My ugla, uh, I'm gonna, this is going to require a little bit of uh, participation here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and pull up baseball reference for me, uh, Jake Mintz. One of my favorite, I would just favorite like websites. You, are you familiar with how Yasmani Grandal has been doing this season? He's been like the unluckiest player in okay, baseball, right? Okay, so that's right? part of it. But I want you to pull up Yasmani Grandal and just read me his triple slash yes, line. Yasmani Grandal or Yasmani Tomas? Grandal. I do not believe Yasmani Tomas has played in the big leagues this year. But shouts out to the other Yasmani. <laughs> 113 batting average. Yep. 378 on base percentage, 242 slugging percentage. That's two home runs, two doubles, and 27 walks. So I want to focus here on that those those first two numbers. Can you read me those that on that batting average and on base? 113 <laughs> and 378. So on Sunday, I saw I I I I believe this is still basically holding up. Yeah, it is because it's pretty close. There is they they put up a graphic during the White Sox game, which is the biggest difference between batting average and on base ever. All right, and as it stands right now, Yasmani Grandal, who uh, at, at the time when when I saw this graphic, it, he was hitting one twenty one, his OBP was three eighty eight, which is a difference of two hundred and sixty seven points, which on the graphic here is number one of all time ahead of two thousand four Barry Bonds. <laughs> 362 with a 609 OBP, it which is, is so absolutely hard. amazing. Yeah. It is so hard to be 2004 Barry Bonds on anything, <laughs> anything. But I love the I love the juxtaposition of it because um, you know, like Grandal has been, and now I'm going to get to this in a second here, has been stunningly unlucky. If you look at his BABIP, his BABIP of 119 is, I mean, that explains how how brutal it's been. But the 29% walk rate. Uh, is really is really bolstering his ability to to get on base. Just one of the more absurd batting lines I've ever seen. So, cheers to you! And also, of course, good for a 102 WRC plus. He's just an average hitter. Just 2002, average hitter. 2002. Um, Billy Bean just broke the space time continuum to pull Yasmani Grandal <laughs> back to the 2002 A's and sign him. Sorry, sorry, Derek Barton. It is it is one of the more ridiculous. Yeah, 119 uh, BABIP is obviously the lowest in baseball. I would also just like to point out, completely unrelated, that Mike Trout currently has a 500 BABIP. He's not that good. It's not sustainable. Mike Trout's not this good. He's a fraud. Uh, all right. 
there is our good, bad, and ugly this week. This was a fun one. Jake Mintz, thank you for participating as always. Thank um, you. Uh, one more thing before we leave. Yeah. Bobby, please come back. Tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon, about exactly 24 hours from now, I will be attending my first professional major league baseball match since game five of the 2019 World Series. That game will be at City Field. It'll be the Baltimore Orioles against the New York Mets. And on the mound for the New York Mets, psych, for the Baltimore Orioles will be one Mr. Matt Harvey making his first start in City Field since he was traded away in 2018. It is also his first ever appearance against the Mets at all. Bobby Wagner, what are you anticipating happens tomorrow afternoon at City Field? Like, do you want me to predict Harvey's line or do you want me to talk no, about like, oh, what the fans are going to I can tell you his do. line. I can tell you his line. <laughs> like, that's uh, your specialty five at this innings, point. Five and a third, three earned runs, four runs. So like one will be unearned. <laughs> one will be unearned. One homer, three Ks, two walks. Four, th- three walks. Three Ks, three walks. All three Ks Mets, are going to be James win. McCann. Um, <laughs> I think that he will get like a legitimate standing ovation from a ha- like a decent number of people. And then there will be like the douchey Long Island guys who will boo him. I think he'll Do get a think- smattering of boos. And I think that the broadcast will be peak. Like if you can watch the SNY broadcast, I'm really looking forward to what Gary, Keith, and Ron have to say about Matt's return. I think he will be cheered a lot. We were wondering, do we think he gets some sort of tribute video from the Mets? I say, yeah. I think think so, too. 100%. Those dudes who make the tribute videos are just, like, ready. You know, they're (laughs) ready to make anything. Especially Especially after they made the Astrubal Cabrera one last weekend when the Diamondbacks were in town. (laughs) Great Met. Great Met. That's true. The bar's pretty low. I think there's going to be a video. I think that 90% of fans will cheer. I think that time heals many wounds. I think that Matt Harvey might even cry. I am setting the line. No, but he's pitching. Like, when is he going to cry? When he's out on the mound. When, he, when he's going to walk oh out to the mound. Boy. Wow. They're going to play it. He's going to step. Here's how it's going to go. He'll run out to the mound. They're going to play the video before he warms up. Dang, I'm getting kind of He'll emotional thinking about him running mound. out, jumping over the line like he does in that aggressive way. Wow. From the Dang. other dugout, Bobby. From the other dugout. From the other dugout. From, and then he's going to, they're going to play the video. It's going to be like a minute. Everyone's going to cheer. He's going to tip his cap. And then he's going to allow four runs, three earned over five. I know that this isn't true. Like my my brain knows that this isn't the case, but my brain is also telling me that the last time he was on the mound in City Field was the World Series. I basically just blocked so, out everything after that. It's funny you say that. I, I'm writing a piece over at Fox about Matt Harvey tomorrow. And as part of that, I went back and watched his final outing with the Mets in 2018. Not pretty. And there's like a, this pause where he's walking off the mound and his head is down. And you just know. Like, you just know that, like, he knows he's done. Yeah. And it's it's pretty surreal. There was an 11-0 drubbing to the brains. <laughs> Great. That explains why I've blocked it out. You can you can tell that he can feel the Devin Mezzarocco trade coming. Bobby, they DFA'd maybe him uh, though. They DFA'd him and then they made the trade, right? Yeah. They well, DFA'd him and then he got tough. traded four days later. More disrespectful, DFAing Matt Harvey, Dark Knight Matt Harvey or Albert Pujols. <laughs> coming up next.
Definitely Coming up next. Uh, hey. This is good. I'm looking forward. I'm looking Should forward to hearing. I bring my recorder? Hearing. Maybe I'll bring my, my recorder and do like a live report. Don't. I mean. From the stadium. Uh, yes, please. We need to know for sure. No, it'll, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to hearing the report next week. Um, Bobby, thank you for producing. Thank you for tolerating my Jared Kelnick uh, spice. Um, we will I'm just see a fan you- of the game. Right? You know, I wear a hat that says MLB and I root for all of the former Mets prospects that are succeeding. That's why they call you Bob on other teams. I'm just looking forward to tweeting at you when MLBHR tweets Jared Kelnick, Seattle Mariners won this weekend. I will be sure to tag you as Catch soon me in the as replies. possible. Just make sure you just make sure you don't miss it. Uh, thank you, Jake Mintz. Thank you, Bobby Wagner. Thank you to all of our esteemed guests on the show, uh, which is really just me acting like pitchers. Thank you to the raccoon that did not exist. Thank you to Francisco Lindor for being a weirdo. Thank, Thank you to the rat, the rat that did the rat. Uh, and uh, thank you, listener, for listening. We will be back next Tuesday with more baseball barbecue. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.